Hey everybody and welcome back to What Would The Smart Party Do, our irregular podcast of all things gaming and good. Speaking of good and gaming, I'm with my mate Gaz. How you doing mate? I'm doing very well Baz, thanks for the introduction. Yeah, I've been listening to some uh, cool podcasts and also also things on YouTube as well actually. I'm getting quite into my gaming at the minute. How are you doing? Yeah, same wise actually. I've been playing a few games, which isn't always the case when we speak and... Um, and getting excited about upcoming conventions, brains buzzing with a few different things. So yeah, it's all going into ears at the moment, and maybe it'll come out of one mouth over the course of the next few weeks. But yeah, gaming is good. Excellent stuff. Um, so, this week, what should we talk about? I've had a question from one of our lovely patrons, uh, Elena, over in Brussels. Hi, Elena. Got a question for us, which is along the lines of, I'll paraphrase for you, Um when do you, or we as GMs, ask for roles? So perhaps in a general way, it might depend on the game and system, obviously. But uh, she's more interested about how we make stuff interesting, but without necessarily giving everything away without a dice. So I imagine there she's alluding to things like perhaps uh, amber diceless role-playing or gumshoe, where you don't make too many roles but give all the clues away. Uh, and then down the other end, I suppose you've got systems that rely entirely on the dice. So something like Dogs in the Vineyard or things like that come down to massive dice pools and escalation of dice rolls. Otherwise, things can't happen. So what do you think to that, Baz? Have you got any stars for 10? Uh, yeah, good question. Thanks, Alina. Um, yeah, dice rolls. I, I guess I'll, I'll start off by saying I think they are massively underrated. I quite like game in my game. And there's this kind of... Thing that's been around since I've been gaming for as long as I can remember anyway about how sometimes the best sessions are the ones where you didn't even roll the dice mm. and I have some sympathy for that view but I don't entirely subscribe to it um, so I guess what we'll be talking about tonight I'm sure is about how to make your dice rolls worth having yes. and make them good ones um, because I don't think dice are the source of all evil and, and actually that's kind of a, a strange really a strange tack to take on, on role-playing games which kind of had dice since the outset. So I, I quite like random in my game, whether it's by dice or cards or whatever. Um, definitely don't get it right all the time, mate. Uh, I get it wrong quite a lot of the time as a GM. Um, and it's something that I would like to be better at, is knowing exactly when to roll and how best to call for it and what to do with the results. And I think there's probably, that's been a question we've all had to ask ourselves at various points over the years. Yeah, quite true. And I think there's... There's a, a, da a danger tendency, however you want to phrase it, I guess, quite often with GMs, it, there can almost be a default, like a bit of a crutch to kind of go, oh, make me roll. Mm. Uh, uh, if nothing else, it gives you as the GM a little bit of thinky time, doesn't it, to work out what the answer to the question is the players have just asked, regardless of what the dice are going to say. So, yeah, there is a little bit of a, a danger there, I think, that asking for rolls is something you just do by default or as a knee-jerk reaction, because you're used to doing it from days of yore and stuff like that, so... We perhaps need to be a bit more mindful of when we ask for rolls, why we're asking for them, and what the output's going to be from that, depending on success or failure, rather than just the picture of what will success look like. We kind of need to think about what happens the other way around. Because if the answer is nothing, then hmm. do you need to make a roll at that point? I guess that's the, the first fundamental point. Yeah, uh, definitely. And one that, to be fair, I think every single role-playing game I've bought in the last 30 years has pointed out. They all say, don't they? You know, this is your, this is your dice mechanic, and and fairly shortly after that, they'll probably go to some lengths to say, you make a dice roll when it's important, when the outcome is in doubt. They might give you some 
target numbers or difficulty charts that would imply that some things are trivial. Um, and then the implication is then you don't need to bother rolling. So it's not like it goes unaddressed in the books. But I, I agree with you guys. I think there is kind of a, maybe it's just a, a part of the gaming DNA. There's like an instinct to reach for the polyhedrals. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. And 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 if it is just to give yourselves a couple of seconds to think, then perhaps maybe we'd better off just taking a couple of seconds to think <laughs> and not rolling the dice. But but equally, I don't want to I don't want to put like all of gaming's woes at, at the feet of dice. I, I think I think dice rolls are cool if they're used well. I think what I would like to do is stop using them for pointless things, which is what you've just mentioned. But not use them less. Just make all the things I roll for more pointed. And put more dilemmas and choice into my games, so that I keep the level of randomness going, the level of conflict, or the level of tension, even. Um, but but just up the choice levels in my own plots and games and characters' actions, so that we're not rolling to climb that mountain when the adventure's at the top of it. So I'm not really going to have you fail, am I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the, the common one, we sort of joke about this at the smart party when we get together and play games, and it seems to happen more frequently than it should, is that um, that perception roll. The first roll in every session seems to be a perception roll for some reason. Mm. And really, yeah, a lot of the times I think we don't need it. it. It is that kind of, maybe if you're trying to spot an ambush or something, but quite often it can just be maybe a perception roll to see whether you see that ship on the horizon. Uh, and if you don't, well, it comes a bit closer, and then you do see it anyway. So why are we rolling perception? And I think it's that kind of basic role that we've kind of got into the, or I have anyway, I've got in a habit of asking for quite a lot of the time, and I don't need to. There's no there's no choice. There's no, if there's no consequence to the role, let's just stop asking for it, I think. Yeah, and worse is, and I do it too, mate, so yeah, I think we all do, you ask the whole group to make a perception role. <laughs> so really, you're asking out of five or maybe six people around the table for, for one of you to roll a significant enough number, because you probably haven't set a target number in your head anyway, and you were just going to say it anyway. Uh, sometimes there are, sometimes I think it's just like revving your engines. It's like getting a dice roll done, because yeah. you know what? As a player, I quite like rolling dice. Never mind when the GM asks or doesn't ask. It's, it's quite nice to get the first roll done. There's all kinds of little you know, little uh, rituals behind it. Like, you know, if you roll a 20 on your D20 for your perception check, it's like, oh, no, that's a critical hit wasted for later uh, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Or at least I've got the one out of the way. So it's it's a safe role, isn't it, to just get people used to maybe the idea of being in the game. But, yeah, it is always a perception role. And, um, and, and you carry on through the night. Played some game or ran a game on Saturday for the uh, monthly RPG day our local game shop has, and... I asked someone for a roll, and immediately all the other players wanted to say, like, can I roll as well? And it yeah. really didn't matter. It was no high stakes. So there's, you know, they just kind of, players want to join in and roll the dice. doesn't matter. Yeah. I know a lot of the texts and books these days say don't roll unless it's, like, going to sp- split the game in two different directions or it's going to be super important and all that. Uh, but I think you're right. I think that there's still that element that we're, we're playing a game and people do like picking up dice and rolling them to see what they get and see if they can get better than their mate next to them, that kind of thing. There's a, a podcast I've been listening to recently called The Adventure Zone. It's kind of comedy D and D. It's it's quite funny. I like it a lot. Um, and it's a it's a guy running a game for his brothers and his dad. And um, it's basically an excuse for them to just sort of like mess around, really. And and as as a GM, 
he's not exactly cleaving to the rules particularly. But the amount of times one of the guys who are playing will button and say, can I roll for? Or they'll even just skip that bit and go, I actually do roll for. And they kind of make up some skill. I and mean, it's always pretty funny. But you can't stop the players rolling the dice. And they've given up even asking permission at this stage. You could just yeah. hear the clatter of dice in the background and the GM just carries on regardless anyway. You know, yeah. There's nothing wrong with rolling dice. Rolling dice is part of the game for me. I think it's uh, underrated, as I say. Yeah, I've definitely seen that behaviour before. And it is, or it can be quite amusing anyway, where uh, a player doesn't, or a player's character, the player suspects, doesn't believe another character, or there's something like that where they kind of want to. <laughs> They don't want to like break that social contract where they sort of, as a player, tell them the player they can't do something, but they they don't like it, so they they roll for the characters and see if the character would put up with that shit or not, yeah. and, and hoping they'll fail the roll so that the character will like do something about it, if you know what I mean. And it's that mm-hmm. kind of using the system or using the dice rolls anyway to kind of justify not being impolite in terms of player to player. So thinking about Alina's question a little bit more then, and the sort of stuff we've already just described. Is she talking about, do you think, and let's assume she is, otherwise the next sentence won't make any sense, but I think she's talking <laughs> about skill roles because not every game has those, um, to be fair. Uh, we've played Into the Odd recently that certainly doesn't have those. You mentioned perception, which is a skill. I've talked about climbing, and there's that kind of that kind of feeling that it comes down to, do I succeed or not succeed at something based on my abilities? So... When we're talking about dice rolling, are those the areas we're talking about where I suppose that it's most black and white, it's there's a binary pass or fail chance coming up and sometimes I want to volunteer for it or hope that the GM's going to ask and the, the GM doesn't know whether to ask for that pass or fail now, later, or if at all. Um, or we're talking about something different, maybe like, you know, to hits and damage or or just your, your roles when you're doing your character, I suppose. Or we talk about skills. I think it's um, it's mainly decision trees or something like that, or you know skills right. as well, I guess. Uh, but you know, if you're in a fight, uh, the system you're playing has to hit rolls and damage rolls and stuff. Well, obviously, you make those when you try and hit someone or damage them. That makes sense. Mm. We don't really need to argue about that one particularly. But it, it, I think it's more things like, or well, the classic example, wouldn't it, would be something like Cthulhu, where you roll to find a clue, mm-hmm. and if you don't find that clue, then potentially the adventure stalls or it doesn't. And then for that perceived problem, you get games like Trailer Cthulhu, which doesn't require rolls for that. You just get to spend points to have the clue if you want it, if you spend the right resource at the right time. Yeah. So um, I think we've discussed before that if you make a roll to find a clue and don't, the adventure stops. That's bad scenario writing and or GMing. Not really anything to do with the system being bad. So creating a whole Mm -hmm. new system to solve that problem seems daft because it's not a system problem in the first place. But I think it is that kind of thing where... Do you make someone roll for it? And if if you're going to make them, then why, as a GM, would you do that? So I've been in that sort of situation. I'd be tempted to kind of find like, do you find most of the clue, but not the important bit, or something like that? So I think uh, as a parallel, something along the lines of uh, the third Indiana Jones movie, where they've kind of got mm-hmm. these notes about uh, a penitent man kneels and all that kind of stuff. But if you just go down the tunnel and kneel, then a razor blade comes out and chops your head off kind of thing. So you've got to kneel and do before a roll. So if you make a great success on your clue-finding roll, you get all the bits about the bit with the trap and what you've got to do about it. If you don't, you just get the clue about go down this tunnel and kneel down, and then you may die or not. But I think it's that kind of... The rolls really should be adding something extra or different to it. And if they're not doing, then 
why bother rolling? I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that all makes sense. Right. So I can sort of pop out my standard "why skills suck" speech, if you like, because <laughs> I think people can look back to previous episodes for that one. <laughs> uh, or just you know, email me and I'll send you it. I've got a few printed off pamphlets that I've yet to hand out at role playing conventions because people avoid me with my like, mad staring eyes talking about how skills destroyed role playing. But they did. Um, One of the reasons they did is because back before you had skills and you just had abilities in in the old school, really classic games, or you had those sessions where nobody rolled a dice all day, is because actually the GM and the table made decisions based on player ability or story goodness. They made their decisions based on what would be coolest or most fun, I suppose. So, you know, we only started rolling for perception checks when perception came along as a skill. Don't forget. And we only started rolling knowledge checks when there was a knowledge skill. Before that, if there was a roll at all, it was maybe some kind of save to avoid something terrible happening or something like that. But, But usually speaking, it would be, well, yeah, clearly when you open the book and read it, you know what it says. There's no role necessary for that. It maybe got a bit more complicated with like how how quickly you could do it or whether it was under stress or that kind of stuff. But I think as soon as we started trying to model the physical reality of of the world through skills and stuff like that, I think what we ended up doing as a hobby is, is mixing in a bunch of stuff where a skill role is really important to pass or fail, like jumping over a chasm because one will end in death, but it was in the same kind of list as knowledge arcana, which is, usually not life or death usually depends which game you're playing yeah Uh, uh, and that that's why for me when you sometimes like if someone's going to jump over a chasm and you've got the jump skill well that that makes everybody think there's going to be a jump roll needed and nobody would complain about it would they but Mm. when it comes to uh do i see the cavalry coming uh or that you as a gm are thinking do they notice the cavalry approaching across this flat desert you, you feel like you need to roll because you've got a notice skill on your sheet. And if it weren't there, you would do what perhaps good GMing advice would be, which is to not have them roll for that and just tell them the cavalry are coming. Wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, so isn't it right. the skill sheet's fault? Uh, a little bit. People do nod their heads down, as we've discussed previously, and look to see what they can do best and what's written on their sheet rather than what they want to do. I think it's yeah. I think actually games are a little bit to blame as well because in the example, it is always something like jumping over a chasm or climbing a wall or picking a lock of a door or something like that. And they seem quite, you know, dull examples. And even in the examples in the book, quite often there's not really a, a like they always succeed because if they fail, they'd be dead. Like you say, if they fell down the chasm, so it's like, well, what? Why are you using that as an example? Who wants to play in a game where they might just fail a jump roll? That's the end of their adventure. You know, it doesn't seem like that's particularly fun unless you you know you've signed up for that kind of game but it'd be good to see some better examples as well because if you don't forget a lot of people sort of get into these games by looking through them and getting the mates together and having a bash and if the example is jumping caverns and things like that and you've got a jump skill you're quite right that's they're going to try and do things like that and have chasms in their dungeons because that's what the book told them to do but i think we're going to be a bit more clever about what we ask for roles for um, I don't know. I, I think the sort of the converse as well is that if you don't ask for their jump rolls or perception or whatever, and someone's got a skill in it, certainly a high skill, or they've put points in it or whatever, they then feel disgruntled if they don't get to roll it. If there's something that a character's good at, the player will get upset if you don't ask him to roll that thing. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I, I absolutely feel that because you want to have agency and you want your character to be doing stuff. And I, I guess, well, let's let's pop off a couple of examples then. And it's probably easy to stay within physical stuff because mental skills and dice rolls is maybe another podcast. Don't know. Uh, but doing physical stuff. So I don't know. For example, sleight of hand is a skill that, that I see in a fair number of games. It might be called mm. something different, but it's that kind of like manual dexterity. So would you think it appropriate to ask the player to roll that, get the dice out, if they were trying to uh, get something out of a backpack in a hurry? What do you reckon? What would, you, what would be your judgment call? Doesn't feel like it immediately. I guess it sort of depends. Uh, one of the sort of thing where I've seen that used uh, would be along the lines of, uh, say, Savage Worlds, where you've got a multi-action penalty if you try and do two things. Uh, you can say, well, if you make a sleight of hand roll, then you can get it. You know, you don't have to have a penalty on your using it as well. Or so, you know, that I've not quite articulated that well, but do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It feels like it'd be. You have to spend an action doing this, or if you make this roll, then you get it for free. That kind of thing feels like it's where it has to use it, because then no, you've got a clear, fair. you know, the, the clear benefit to trying to attempt to use the skill there. And if you mess it up, it means you spent all round fumbling away or something like that. Mm. No, that, that's entirely fair because because in, in the question I put, you know, get it in a hurry. If I just said get something out of a backpack, you you and most right-thinking people, I would have thought would have said, no, you don't need to roll to get stuff out of your luggage, you idiot. Yeah, quite. you might need to roll to pack it, uh, but you don't need to roll to get it out. But it's in the hurry, isn't it? It's, it's that little bit of pressure. So, I, I, and I wasn't trying to set you up this at all, guys, but I suppose it comes in the way that the question is stated, doesn't it? Mm. And and sometimes you might have to restate the question. To see if it's if it's worth that pass or fail that's about to come up, or you know some some systems do it in three dimensions rather than two, but yeah, putting a little bit of pressure into the situation makes you reach for the randomizer a bit quicker, perhaps. Yeah, and and it could be things like I don't know if we go back to that old classic of picking a lock of a door, and if you fail, you can't do it, or. Hmm. Like the, I think where things really start to get awkward is when you just keep letting people make the roll to pick that door. It's like, well, if if you're just going to let them do it, <laughs> just say they've picked it. Like, let's get over it. And there are some games that have a minimum skill level means you can just pick something because you've got you know that that kind of mechanic. Um, but you could have a decision point where it's lines like if you can't pick this door, then you're going to have to smash it with your axes, and that will alert the denizens of the, the dungeon that someone's you know down that end because they can hear lots of hacking and splintering and stuff like that. So that's where it's probably worth saying, okay, make me a pick lot roll or something like that. But again, I think it's that decision tree that I mentioned a little bit earlier. It's, there's got to be some kind of consequence to it, or you know, it doesn't have to be a a fail or a succeed. But there's got to be like you know how well you succeed, or you know how can you mitigate loss, or whichever way around you want to do it. But if it's just kind of yeah, like you say, if you're getting self something out of a backpack and there is no time pressure, then just you get it out. If you want to pick a lock and you've got all day to do it and no one's going to interrupt you, you just do it. Why wouldn't you? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I'm trying to think back to games that involve loads and loads and loads of dice rolling. Um, and in comparison to other types of gaming, actually there's no role-playing game that involves loads and loads of dice rolling. Not really. There's games that involve lots of dice pools and stuff like that. But Back in my day when I worked for Games Workshop and I had to introduce people to Warhammer and Warhammer 40,000 25 times a day, 
those were games <laughs> that had a lot of dice rolling um, yeah. because nothing happened without a dice roll, really. But, you know, and we got great training at Workshop on how to introduce people to games. But one of the things that we did, one of the techniques we used, and you'll remember this, Gaz, is we used to set the stakes. And that was before that was even a thing in RPG theory. With almost every dice roll, you would set the stakes with people. So you would kind of heft the dice in your hand and say, right, you are going to need five and sixes on these dice. Everything that's a five and a six is a wounded enemy. And anything that's four or below means they're safe from your blows for this round. And then you would hand over the dice. Mm. And, and given that you were doing that probably every 10 seconds for half an hour, it didn't seem particularly onerous, but it was the only thing that could add drama to what would have otherwise been a relatively boring listening to plastic cubes rattle across a table. Yeah. Um, and, and we kind of learned that. But then when it comes to role-playing games, conflict resolution does it fine. Setting stakes, framing scenes, all of that stuff is great. But task resolution games, which for me are the majority of my gaming, I don't do it enough. I don't set the stakes for a task. I don't make the dice roll dramatic enough unless I catch myself and then I remember. It might happen as part of the narrative, you know, whether someone can actually uh, drop the evil wizard with the last arrow in their quiver. That seems to become more important. But then I keep diluting all of that goodness with perception checks and climb checks and notice checks and <laughs> knowledge checks. So perhaps stake setting is a habit to get into, even for what seem to be relatively small potatoes. Yes, definitely. Because um, I suppose the other aspect to it is that every dice roll you make could have a decision tree in your game, but if the players don't know it's there, then it robs it of all drama and that you're still back in the kind of why I'm making this roll kind of territory. So if the players don't know that hammering the door down rather than picking the lock's going to have a consequence... Why, they'll just hammer the door down. Why would they care? That sort of thing. So to make people care, you've got they've got to know what the stakes are, haven't they? They've got to know what they're gambling for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And some GMs, and I've done this too, would 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 get make an error at that point and think, well, the characters wouldn't know it, so I won't tell the players. But I think it's probably better to step into the meta game just for a second there, uh, and and say what the what the unintended consequences might be. Not every time, clearly. You know, if you're playing a game of secrets and agendas and all of that kind of stuff, then you don't want to reveal the whole game in one go. But yeah, for, for most stuff, I would say zoom out a little bit at that stage. Why not? Yeah, and you can normally have a little bit of a a joke about it or a bit of a, a knowing wink when you break the fourth wall and that kind of thing. So it's like, okay, well, you know, if you pick this lock, great. If you don't, you can hammer it in. But I doubt there's anybody nearby who would hear that. And, you know, you, you kind of, everybody sort of like gets the the veiled insinuation there that there definitely is someone who will hear it and we all know there is but the characters don't and it's that kind of bringing the players along with the GM at that point without actually having to explicitly say that there's a number Hulk that will come running you know so it's, you just have to allude to what might happen as a consequence and the players will fill in the blanks themselves quite happily sure there's a, I mean I quite like the old uh, sort of drop surprise of asking for a dice roll with no information for the players on the mm. basis that that happens so rarely everyone starts to fret and panic so you know when you when you open a door and the first thing I say as a GM is right you need to make a reflex save then all of a sudden everyone's looking at dice because they have no idea what's going to happen on a pass or a fail and and that, yeah. that's just something you have to do. And then you can look, you can say, what did you get? A 12, you say, and then sort of look at your charts, go, really, is that all you got? <laughs> and that's, that's just a bit of showmanship, is it? A little bit of yeah. theatre. 
to make the dice roll better. But but those are those are the rarer examples. I think asking for dice rolls with no idea what's good, what's bad, what's indifferent is is a really bad habit, and potentially only trumped by people who say roll anything but a one, or you know see if you get a twenty. That's yeah. equally does my nut in. That's it. I think your example's good. Make me reflex save. Makes me think like, oh right, well if I don't make this, then something's going to hit me, or you know, some other bad consequences happening. The number of games we've been in where someone says, "Oh, just make me a roll," they really frustrate me. Because apart from everything else, I've got a character sheet in front of me filled with numbers, so it's got to be against one of them. Otherwise, what we're we doing? Uh, yeah, and if, and if you don't GM, care, why should I care? <laughs> yeah, and if it's up to GM Fiat as to what happens based on what they think the number looks like, why don't they just make something up anyway and just? take away the whole thing about rolling dice so that, that's definitely one where I'd avoid it if you're just rolling dice because you I don't know, want to make up some arbitrary decision based on a number between 1 and 20 but can't think of it yourself then just think of something and do the most interesting thing because at that point you're not using the system and you're making people roll dice when there's no need to. I mean it's weird everybody's got their own tolerance for the amount of dice rolling they want to see in a game um, some will have a high tolerance, some will have a very low tolerance indeed and they see dice as a massive intrusion into their role playing. Um, I'm kind of at the other end of the spectrum personally. But one thing that I find is really interesting to do, and I recommend this to anyone, is if you ever get a chance to like record your play session, as we've done recently, and listen back to it, see how many times you ask for a dice roll and see how frequently you do it as well. And I bet it doesn't line up with your own personal experience. Because when I'm GMing, I, you know, I have my own perceptions about how the game is going. But when I'm a player, that perception is completely different. And then as an objective third party, it's even more different as well. So it is all about it's about your relative positioning in the game. But I, I've sat there as a player and thought, oh, please, come on, can we get some game involved in this game? Uh, where the GM has mm. been quite happily thinking, oh, I better rain back on the amount of game here because everyone's busy being in character and I don't want to spoil that. So it is kind of difficult to all get on the same page at some points. Yeah, it's hard to tell if people are enjoying the dice rolling or not. I think, um, although we've said like you want to follow rules to a degree, certainly. Uh, there's things like uh, one of the games I ran online last week. There was a, a joust, and there was kind of a bit of an elimination, and it came down to the character, one of the characters, and like the local boy NPC who all the villagers wanted to win, and they were jousting for like, you know, it's either the local lad or it's this interloper, and it was quite a high tense thing. After about five passes, uh, they were running out of lances, frankly. They were going to have to ship out for some more because neither the character or my character could actually knock the other one off the horse. And it was getting to the point where, like, well, this is just getting, I thought, boring. I don't know what the other players thought. They might have still been excited in it. But after five lots of making a lance roll and nobody falling off the horse, it seemed to me that it, we were rolling dice for the sake of it at that point. So that's where I interjected. And although not strictly within the rules, it was just kind of like, okay, next one wins. Whoever gets highest on this next roll. And that injected some life back into it and made it meaningful, I think. So there's, but I still don't know what the players thought. I'd be interested to think, actually, I might go back and ask them and say, when that thing was happening, did you care about just keep rolling dice over and over again? Or, you know, did you not mind or what? Because it's hard to tell. Yeah, well, I wasn't in that game. But as you describe it, I'm trying to think what I would have thought. Not that my experiences are universal, far from it, but I often feel a bit cheated if the GM says, as a reward for either your good play, your high skill, or just to speed the game along, we're not going to roll for it. When it gets pitched to me as a reward, 
then I sometimes do feel a little bit cheated because I kind of want to I want my character to shine by showing either how lucky or able or something they are and the dice have backed it up I don't really yeah those, those sort of games where where the reward of good players to not roll is not a reward for me does that make sense yes I know what you're saying yeah I played in a a Slay Industries game at Dragon Mate a few years back and nothing happened very slowly over a long period of time and <laughs> it eventually got to this point where there's some kind of ambush and we're trapped in this warehouse and there's all these baddies outside and they're throwing flashbang grenades in and bursting in and we've got all our defences that we spent half an hour meticulously drawing out on this map about where we were and getting fireworks ready and all the rest of it and then when the baddies burst in the gym said yeah well you've set it up pretty well so we'll just say you kill them all and it's like you say, say what? <laughs> We've had been in two hours a game, and this was the bit where we finally got to roll some dice and do something with our uber characters, and now you're saying I don't get to roll my dice. That's rubbish. This game's rubbish. I don't like it. So I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah, uh, but, and it, but that, with another group, that might have gone down brilliantly, mightn't it? Because there's there's definitely a sense I get from, from play groups that I've been with over hundreds of cons and sessions and online games and just reading forums where where some groups would go, oh, what a blessed relief. We didn't have to use the rules of this game we've spent money on, which I find slightly <laughs> bizarre, but it's a thing. It really is a thing. There's this like, fear of rules, uh, and the rules normally manifest themselves in dice roll format. Not always, but, but usually. Um, and I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Why, why be afraid of the game you bought? Um, and maybe I'm overstating it a little bit, but nobody usually resents dice rolls in fights it's outside of fights perhaps they do that's where the little bit of a you know we won't even bother rolling for it let's just play on and lots of the gm advice you see is like you know only reach for the dice as a last resort really okay that 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 for me doesn't sit well but that's that is just a matter of preference i totally accept that um and but and, and i think i might even have the minority opinion of the people i listen to although your D20-based trad games still seem to be the most popular ones in gaming, and, and maybe that's a reason. Maybe people do like the role of a D20. They do like to roll high. They do like to be asked to roll, and they like to pass rolls. Yeah. I, I found it um, interesting as well with a lot of people who are uh, the more indie... Uh, the preference is more towards the indie style of games... Uh, perhaps with less die rolling or with different types of resolution mechanics that have nothing to do with dice and that sort of thing and like more uh, player empowerment or there's no GM or that kind of stuff and they seem quite, you know, can be seen as quite airy-fairy or anti-system almost which isn't true because quite often those games have systems, they're just not like traditional D&D or something like that but you get them, I think certainly around the time that 4th edition D&D came out there's a lot of those people that were seen as sort of like left field in that way in terms of Indian uh, small press publish absolutely loved fourth edition DD, and you'd think based on all the games they've been playing for several cons that they would have nothing to do with it because it didn't seem in their preference. But that chance to get back down to rolling some dice and killing some goblins, loved it, lapped it all up. You know, I didn't get it, I couldn't hear a bad word out of any of them about it. So I think even if your preferences don't lie with an old traditional game style anymore, um, there's still a lot of fun to be had rolling those dice, and people get it if it's that type of game where you roll dice to kill goblins. Most of the time, players will get into that and want to roll the dice and see some results from it, and they probably would feel a little bit cheated if they didn't get to do that. 
I think there's, there's just that visceral thrill, isn't there? I think from when we were kids and played games, you like rolling dice to see whether you win or not. Yeah, you do. Yeah, there's there's tactical tactile element. There's all of that kind of stuff. And I think perhaps we should maybe celebrate dice rolling a little bit more than we do. So perhaps perhaps we should discuss, you know, what what how to get the best out of dice rolling because it's going to happen. And and if you want it to happen, you want it to be as good as possible. So tips and tricks time, I think, mate. I mean. One of the things that, that I like to do when I'm trying to plan a scenario is to have a look across character sheets, see what people are good at, and make sure situations are going to arise where they're going to be tested. And I think where I could do better is to make sure that when that test does come up, it provides a real branching point in the game instead of just a hurdle to get over. Maybe that's that's a decent analogy, you know. Maybe it should be more of a fork in the road or a fork in the scenario. Um, whether that be a persuasion test, for example, um, I probably don't put in enough stuff for what happens if there's failure. I probably assume success when I'm looking across people's characters, giving them a chance to shine. But a chance to shine could equally be when they fail. That's still character spotlight, isn't it? And I suppose yes. there is fail forward as as an idea which we talk about in a sec i guess but but yeah but branching points in scenarios if you put more in or if i put more in and try and make sure that, that perhaps the frequency of dice rolling doesn't go down but the frequency of decision points goes up that might make for perhaps a more complex scenario but but it could equally be you know a lot of fun and a bit of a ride for all of us yeah uh there's things like uh, it wasn't a dice roll, but is a, a to sort of illustrate the decision point thing. There's the free scenario for Godlike called the Glazier, which is very oh, good. Oh, yeah, great scenario, yeah. And there's a bit where there's some, basically there's some uh, American GIs or whatever that are in a very dangerous situation, and unless the players do something about it, they're probably all going to die. But the players have got a mission to be getting on with, and it's up to them whether they stop and help or whether they crack on straight with the mission. Uh, and there's no right or wrong answer there, I guess. Uh, but if they do stop and help later on, things are a bit more tough because they've given the enemy more time to repair and that sort of thing. So it doesn't have to be a branching point per se in a scenario. It can just be if you fail this role now, then later on it will be more difficult. Or if you make this role now, you will have some allies later on to help you out or that kind of thing. So it can you can kind of mess with power levels and advantages and have recurring characters turn up or not and that kind of thing. And the the adventure itself could, self, sorry, could stay fairly contained within certain parameters and it's just the bonuses or disadvantages or that sort of thing can go up and down depending on how dice rolls fare so i i suppose then that's a pre-written scenario where they built that point in um, i suppose for some of the games that we might run at home or even at cons we probably wouldn't write down every single branching point in a scenario you, you kind of set up your sandbox and you've got your agendas and your plots or your fronts and you largely you might be improvising certain parts of it certainly if you're getting into a into the state where you're rolling persuasions, bluffs, intimidates, that kind of stuff. So, you know, what 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 do you do then when you not only have you got to accommodate the possibility of a failed roll, which I've in some ways find easier to do than the possibility of a success, <laughs> if that makes sense, because uh, yeah. because you can make a failure quite interesting. And one of the things that that I see with fail forward as, as an idea. And, and for those of you who don't know, the idea being that you don't actually just 
flat out fail when you roll a, a miss on your dice roll but what happens is that that failure manifests a bit later on in the scenario or you succeed but at some kind of cost to you so you always kind of kind of get what you want but not in the package you wanted it necessarily the, the thing with that bit is that sometimes that's more interesting than just a success from a story perspective mm. so i think i think sometimes when you're going to ask for your dice roll if you go down the route of make sure you know what to do if it doesn't work and make that good is decent advice, but also make the success good rather than just, yes, it happens. Shouldn't everything like happen well or fail badly? And that kind of middle bell curve of results is the bit you want to avoid. Yeah, it's definitely worth looking into. I think one of the interesting systems to look at is something like the One Ring, which has got a lot of dice rolls in it, which was reminded before when you were saying about dice rolls and They've revised it since, but the original journey mechanics of travelling through Mirkwood, for example, was literally dozens of dice rolls for the players. Like dozens. dice roll after dice roll. Yeah. If you're going through like the middle of Mirkwood, yeah. Other journeys, smaller and more succinct, probably require less, but there's still generally, you know, a good handful of dice rolls. And that's without anything necessarily extra happening. So uh, they're they're definitely one where I thought like the players must be bored silly. But uh, apparently they they were fine with it all when I discussed with them afterwards. Anyway, what was your last point? I had something else to say on that. Oh, yes. So it's, Extremes. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's got lots of little subs or a few little subsystems in it and things that um, I think you could break down into one skill role rather than it being a succession. So like the, um, I can't remember what it's called now. It's like the interaction mechanic or basically when you're being told to go for a quest or you ask permission to go on this quest, you kind of make a bunch of roles for the characters and, it, and for it, the number of successes you've got might result in more advantages from the NPC or that sort of thing, depending on if you, and if you fail too many, the tolerance is blown and the NPC tells you to bugger off because he's had enough of your bullshit, frankly. Um, but built into that, that means every time there's a, a social interaction of that type, there's a little chart with um, you know if you mess it up, this is what they'll say. If you get a marginal success, this is the sort of thing that'll happen. If you get a good success over this, an exceptional success is this. So that's a, like you know you could pour that anywhere in terms of it doesn't have to be in it's a social interaction. It can be uh, this skill check or ability check point. If they mess it up, this is what happens. If they get marginal success, this happens. And if they do really well, they get this as an extra bonus or whatever it is. And you can easily chuck that sort of thing in to sort of make things a bit more interesting. And I think you're right. Is that having the extremes is good in terms of really good or really bad. But I think there's there's something to be had with that marginal bit where you can kind of really amp up the sort of you've made it by the skin of your teeth angle or you know you think you've got away with it but maybe not you know you fast taught that guide but actually now you see him going back into the guide after double check and he's brought some mates out with him and add a bit of more pressure or you know you play up that knife's edge element to a sort of middling role which can make it a bit more interesting yeah that's cool i think yeah i kind of do that instinctively in in a lot of my D D games when when someone you know misses by one or hits by one we tend to interpret that dice roll straight back into the fiction um, mm. as a very near miss or glances off the edge of the shield or, you know, you were just an inch away from his neck, whatever. That 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 seems to make sense. And, and that's not even written into the rules particularly, is it, in that, that game? But that just seems to be a natural thing to want to do. I quite like interpreting those dice and, and I don't have any trouble doing it over a 10-round combat, strangely. Mm. Um, but there does seem maybe... Maybe because you know another round will be along in a minute, you take the pressure off yourself a little bit with your narration. Mm. But if you are doing 
ex exploration or survival roles out in the forest to get to the dungeon in the first place. Yeah, that, that's a good example, a survival role. You know, you would think a survival role by the very name of it would be very much life or death. It really is, in my experience, and it really matters, come pass or fail. And I mean matters mm -hmm. beyond you might wake up feeling a bit hungry and tired because you couldn't forage the night before. And even that might be more narration than than I might even normally give it, if I'm being brutally honest with myself. That's if I roll yeah. for it at all. And that takes us all the way back to, you know, the idea of uh, of group checks. Because asking five people to succeed at a dice roll simultaneously is, is mathematically very, very difficult indeed. Getting one person to succeed or fail at a roll is okay, and you can work out the chances and, you know, what you've got on your sheet. But having to have everybody succeed at something, that's tricky. So group roles are another little pinch point in in, in my yeah. scenarios often. Yeah. I mean, what do you do with your group roles, guys? I, yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you're still fighting that that urge that everybody else has got to. They want to roll as well. You can't just ask one yeah. character because everybody wants to join in sort of thing. Um, it depends on the system. There are a, couple, a nice little couple of tweaks, like you either pick the best person or the worst person in the group, and they make the role for everybody, and it's just one role because they're the one that matters most. Uh, or you can get everybody else gets to roll to add a bonus to the leader if they succeed. And that sort of thing, and then you make the big roll at the end could normally be a decent way of doing it as well. But I don't know the, the difficult. You kind of want something other than everybody rolling, because as you say, if everybody's got a fifty-fifty chance, but you need everybody to make it, and there's six players, then all of a sudden you're talking like I don't know why it's five percent chance, say for example, and then it's that sort of like roll me a d twenty and you know try and get a twenty yeah. sort of thing, and you know, and that that sort of makes a mockery of all the rest of the rules at that point, or all the rest of the system. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, but but every system tries to answer that question. I think I think some do it very well. Some have given it some thought, and I think after after three decades of role playing games, some systems just kind of nick someone else's idea. And I don't ever think they really get tested that vigorously or rigorously, I should say. Um, and I think that's because actually I have a sneaky suspicion that most people don't use all the rules when they play games, guys. Whisper it. What? I don't think they do. Yeah, I know. I think, I think they go to all the trouble of writing it in the books, but I think even the designers don't necessarily use all of those rules. I don't really know why they bother putting them in there. <laughs> it's, it's pretty obvious <laughs> I'm the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, my, my poster boy example for this would be Fate. It's a game I have so much affection for, despite all the grief it gives me. It's like an abusive relationship, honestly. <laughs> oh, dear. If it was a wife, I'd have divorced it a long time ago. But anyway, um, the, one of the issues that I personally have with fate, I'm not saying it's universal again, is that the game works perfectly well if you don't use any of the mechanics. And and as a, as a story-generating device, <laughs> it gives you loads of really good ideas and loads of good games. But, uh, but as a GM, from a trad background, as we all pretty much are whenever i feel like this would be a good time to ask for a dice roll it is inevitably a terrible time to ask for a dice <laughs> roll because i don't quite know how to insert it into the game i don't know how to interpret the results i don't know how whether it sets a precedent or not and and the dice roll mechanic is really easy it's it's just a game with skills that's all it is but somehow yeah. it just manages to mess it up 
And I think that when you read through the fake games, they just make so much sense on the page. But then at the table, you just you just forget how to do the most basic of things, like have people break into a, a warehouse. It just seems impossible using fake mechanics <laughs> to me. <laughs> I just don't get it. I know what you mean, yeah. I, I struggle with it as well. I think in games I've played as well, not just ones I've tried to run, it just doesn't, I think for me and probably for you as well, it doesn't have enough mechanical heft. So the things you're actually rolling for it, you know, there's not there's not actually that much there. It is sort of a, even the sort of extended skill challenges and things like that, they don't seem to, you have to put more words around it to make it interesting. I don't think the mechanics give you that. The dice rolling aren't giving you what you want, as opposed to, for example, playing D&D or another game that's got criticals in it or something like that, where you know you can get a really good success and it'll make a massive difference. Uh, I think in Fate, quite a lot of the time, and this this is probably an interesting point, or maybe not, but you can mitigate the dice rolls quite a bit. So in Fate, you can have failed having used your skills or whatever, and then you spend a Fate point or you know you tag an aspect and then suddenly succeeded. And the GM might spend one back and then you spend another one. And then, so that takes away so the point of rolling dice quite a lot of time is to get a decision or decide who wins and who fails and then the fake system allows you to monkey with that and change the decision after you roll the dice anyway so that's possibly where some of the lack of like why am i rolling away should i roll or am i doing this right comes from i would think yeah uh, and i think uh, what you've just said has, has helped to sort of clear the fog and i do get foggy with fate and i think what it means is that Every dice roll in fate needs to be an important one, one that's worth negotiating. So the fact that I probably asked for too many dice rolls in fate is my issue. It it doesn't. Do you know what? The game doesn't actually give you a huge amount of guidance on when to on when to use the rules or not. But given it's made out of rules, you want to use them as often as you can. And certainly, whenever I get a new game, I'm always looking for for ways to use the game. <laughs> if that's not yeah. a strange thing to say, so. You know, but I think that I, I mean it when I say the game works perfectly well until I use the dice. And I probably shouldn't be using the dice as often as I'm trying to. I should only use them when it is worth having a really good negotiation and it's important and dramatic and appropriate and everybody's buying into it. But then it comes down to, well, over, over a two or three hour session, then how many times is that actually going to come up? without making the game feel like a, a comic book soap opera, which is just constant crisis after crisis. Mm -hmm. It's so, and, I, and even I don't like games that are that mad where, you know, where it could do a U-turn every five minutes, depending on what happens. But, and I'll use it, I'll open it up to another example with another game that, that I'm, I'm yet to be completely convinced by, which would be Powered by the Apocalypse games, because I think they're of a similar school which is the yes. dice rolls in that are very important and nothing dull will happen off the back of any dice roll. So again, how frequently should they be being used? And and that's a game where I want to I want to play the game. I want to see the dice rolls happen, but I think arguably you only go to the dice when you when the table looks like it's bored of narrating or something new needs to be injected into the table. So you could very well have entire sessions where you don't use the rules. And I, I, would that be seen as a good thing? Not to me. I'm, I'm conflicted, guys. Yeah, I am as well. I, I think it's it's a well-trodden path for me, so I won't bag on it too much. But if you look at Vincent Baker's example of actual play on um, RPGNet, that just reads like a normal 
it's something I do with Savage Worlds or something like that. It's basically an abandoned oil rig, and there's a van pulls up, and there's some guys with guns, and they start shooting at each other. And it all just reads like a, like you would play in D&D or Delta Green or any other system, and it all seems perfectly fine. In practice, more of what I see um, is crisis points, and it's all about these little triangles of, you know, two characters and an NPC or two NPCs and a character and conflict. Uh, and certainly for con games and things like that, everything seems to have to be something you care about all the time. And that gets quite draining, to be honest, because you kind of just don't want to, you know... I've had it where I've had a biker gang, and it was just kind of like, you know, scene after scene is my biker gang doing something else or somebody doing something to them. Um, and, and I've sort of made the same the same play as myself when somebody else had a biker gang, and I kept messing with them because it was a thing to go and prop with a stick to see what happened. But I found it hard in all my Apocalypse games to care about stuff because you have to care all the time. You kind of do for the first hour, and then there's, like you say, there's another crisis. There's another, like, really meaty thing that's going to happen and things are going to go one way or the other and you're just like I, I'm struggling now to actually sum up the emotional reserves to care about this thing if you know what I mean mm, um, but the, you know the, yeah and the system itself drives you towards making roles though because you know every time you make a role of uh, import or if it's one of these the, your two main stats then you get an experience point for it and there's a big list of cool extra abilities you get if you level up so there's kind of a, a drive from all players to roll dice. So there might be people who play a lot of Apocalypse World type games. I don't just do lots of talking and don't roll dice. But the system itself says, roll your dice all the time and roll it for these two areas and then I will reward you with more cool stuff that your character can do. So if you're not doing that and you're more freeforming it, it feels a little bit like that Fate thing. We've got a really good setup, but then you don't bother using the rules quite so much. So I don't know. I'm not saying people are playing it wrong necessarily, but the game itself seems to say roll lots of dice here, so you kind of expect to want to roll lots of dice. Well, as you say, mate, these are these are examples we always bring to this particular conversation, don't we? And I don't know if we'll ever get a decent resolution to it, apart from the fact um, <laughs> maybe we should just roll and move on. But um, <laughs> I've got a, a counter example for you of a game that suggests not rolling the dice unless you, well, if you do roll the dice, something's gone horribly wrong, which is Torchbearer. And I suppose that would maybe include all of the Burning Wheel type games as well then. So, but Torchbearer specifically um, has a mechanic in it called the grind, uh, which is a certain amount of turns will pass before some of your resources are automatically used up. And given that you're in a dungeon and it's full of undead or nasty griblies, that's not a good thing. So you want to have light and food and water, and you want to be able to get the treasure and get out alive. So unlike many games, though, you are rationed on your dice rolls because every time you make a test, or in other words, a dice roll, uh, that's like one click of the clock. And every four tests equals another, another, another round of grindiness. So the key to winning, in inverted commas, the game is to make as few dice rolls as possible. And you do that by acting within your traits or stuff that you're so skilled that you never have to roll. So you only ever get to roll when it's in doubt, which doesn't sound that different to any other game in the world. I get that. But I'm just sort of like applying that kind of notion to to my basic dungeon crawls that I might I might run just for fun with any other system. And I think I'd have people out of rations and light within the first room. 
because <laughs> I can get through 16 dice rolls exploring a 30-foot square empty room if I wanted to, if with yeah. perception tests and this, that, and the other, depending on the system you're using. So there seems to be, behind the scenes in that game, an expectation that dice are rolled pretty infrequently and when they are it's as as a last resort because you haven't stacked up the odds in your favor so much that the gm is prepared to go you don't need to roll which is an interesting take avoiding its own mechanics it it then applies a bunch of other ones as well And and it is an interesting game for lots of different reasons but that's one which i don't see happen very often in other games where you get you know time passes every time you roll the dice that seems quite board gamey yeah, I think it very much is that. Um, I've not played Torchbearer, but yeah, I, I get I get that feeling from it. Um, I think it's fine in the fact that you, if you're signing up to play that game and you're bought into it, that the the system is still there in terms of the grind and the clock and all the rest of it. So the system behind it, you're still playing, and it's not that the dice roll are the system. Whereas I think in a lot of other games, it's the the dice rolls are the thing that. Are the important part of the system that make things happen. So that sounds like that you know the system's more the resource management and dice rolls are the kind of like just a, a small component that might tick along at some point. True, true. So that's true, fine. But, you know, it comes back to Alina's question though, doesn't it? Of like you know, when do you ask for a roll and when is too much and when is too little and you know how do you stop giving stuff away? I mean, that when you ask for a dice roll as the GM in that game you are making a quite significant decision about the whole game every time you do it. Mm. Whereas whereas in other games, I would say, yeah, broadly in, in almost every other game, it's relax, really. Despite everything we've been saying for the last hour, it'd be like, relax. It's, it's not, not going to break your game, is it, if you ask for one dice roll too many or one dice roll too few? I would hope it wouldn't break your game. But it's about getting a feel, isn't it, perhaps? And I think Torchbearer is one extreme. Maybe Warhammer's the other. I think you do get a feel for it. Like I said, the, the one ring probably feels like you roll too much because I'm used to rolling less these days. Um, so uh, for me, it probably felt like I'm just rolling dice and rolling dice. But as long as you know th- th- it's having an effect, it does something in the game. You know, it's, it's and the players are enjoying it. I think that's fine. Uh, and t- to be fair to it, uh, with the, the like subsystems it's got, it's like you've got fights, you've got your social encounters and you've got journeys and they all have their own mechanics and you roll dice to do those things if you're doing something else you don't need to roll lots of dice because you're not on an epic journey or whatever the other other times you can generally just succeed and do things so it's sort of like got its dice rolls in the right place if you know what i mean so i guess that's another another aspect to think about there um cthulhu is obviously the interesting one because it's kind of or investigative games, certainly. And you kind of want to give clues away. So I sort of like to come back to what we started out with originally saying there's gumshoe now. I don't think you need to have resource points that you must spend at the right time to, you know, just just give the clues out. And you could do that without the resource points, I think. I understand there is some game there, and that's why you, why you have them, to try and use them correctly and all the rest of it. Um, but I think you could play that style of game in Cthulhu, normal Cthulhu BRP style quite happily. And then use your roles more judiciously for things that are going to make a difference. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's you, but some of it's just getting a feel, isn't it? You know, you, you have to get a bit of a feel for the when you make roles and when you don't. And you, I think as a GM, after a time, you start to feel when you're asking too much. Yeah, you do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. If you can't convince yourself, then stop trying to convince everybody else. 
um, I think would be the key. I, I like dice rolls, and I'm sure everybody's going to feel the same about this when it matters. Um, so they've got to matter. Um, nobody likes dice rolling just for the sake of it. There's other things you could be doing with your time if that's what you want to do. Uh, it, it seems a bit like playing solitaire, really. Just a bit odd, just to roll it for the sake of it. But then the tolerance for when does it matter, that's the bit that's going to vary for people, yeah. isn't it? And I think... I think if you're at a con and you're looking around at the various games to play, uh, I think as long as the person running it is going to run the system that they advertise pretty much like it is in the book, then you could probably get a decent gauge just with your own experience of what those games are like. So, you know, if I were to sign up for a game of RuneQuest, classic RuneQuest, I'd have a fair expectation of how often the dice were going to come to the table. Yeah. And if that fits my preference, then happy days. And it's that's one of the decisions that you would have to make, wouldn't you? Along with like who's running it, who else is there, what time of day is it on, does the scenario grab me? You know, I, I think don't be afraid of, of knowing what you like from a system. And if there are systems that use dice too often or too little for you, well, don't play those. There's plenty of other ones around. You're not, you're not really short of a few things. Oh, you'd experiment with stuff, try a few things, and... And if there's a game that's got like you know sliding scales of how often that happens, well, at a con game, there ain't necessarily a lot you can do about that, but it's only a few hours of your life. But with your home game, you could play D&D diceless. It ain't a problem, and, and I've done it plenty of times. And I'm sure you could play Fate, where every little decision is rolled for and negotiated. I'm sure that happens too. So, you know, there's plenty of wiggle room, isn't there? But there's also thousands of systems. So if you really don't like dice, play gumshoe or amber you crazy fools <laughs> yeah i think to sort of summarize where, where i'd come from anyway to for my when when i ask for roles as a gm it's kind of another thing that i like to do actually is when i don't know what the answer is when so because quite often players come up with stuff that you won't expect or a bit of a curveball or a different approach than you you thought of i think i don't know what would happen there but if i know what my npc's motivations are or what what will happen to the story if the players don't interact with it or that kind of stuff then i can say okay let me roll and let's see what happens and if they find out a crucial bit of information a lot earlier than i expected them to or the uh the killer villain that i wasn't expecting or, or whatever it might be then cool let's roll with it and do that so sometimes you can be asking to roll the dice because you as a gm want to find out what happens as well and you're not quite sure but you know, you have to know what you'll do on success or fail, and that's true for all the the roles you've got planned and everything else as well as GM. When you roll the dice, is really up to you. Depends on the system, depends how much you like engaging in the system, etc. But as a GM, just know what will happen on the outcome of that dice roll. Don't ask for rolls when you don't know what the outcome is going to be, or without it being you know, a preference for you. Um, so yeah, if someone's going to fail, you don't know what that means, or if someone's going to succeed, and you don't know what it means. Don't roll the dice for that. That's that's just going to lead to heartache. Yeah, that's that's solid advice, mate. And um, I'm not sure I can better it. I guess there's loads of other things that we could spin off on this topic about, like rolling on random tables, or dice mechanics generally, or card mechanics, and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. But I think that's. I don't know if we've answered Alina's question, really, because it does come down to feel, doesn't it? And I suppose if it feels right, you must be doing it right. And if it feels awkward and painful, don't do that anymore. Stop <laughs> it. Do something yeah. else that feels better. But maybe don't fret about it so much as well, you know. You can get a sense of body language and so on, can't you, around the table. I, I, I ran a game that you were in just the other week, and it's the subject of a future podcast, but that we ran into the odd. 
and I was running it and you were playing it and I bet we had very different experiences when it came to the dice rolling bit because it's a game that's set up with no active dice rolls so it's kind of asymmetrical and um, mm. it'll be really interesting when we catch up and talk about that but you know as long as it feels good from your perspective you've you've only got so much responsibility for how much fun the other people around the table are having they've got responsibility yeah. for their own and I think players are quite capable of asking for dice rolls and equally saying is it okay if I don't roll for this you know because I'm not that fussed about the outcome and I'm you know not that skilled uh, and yeah. perhaps you know players could do us all a favor by being a bit more vocal about their wishes I would say yeah absolutely uh, I think the other point I've mentioned there as well, you just reminded me, is uh, Into the Odd and games like Numenera, where the GM doesn't roll. I definitely recommend people try them out because I find them uh, quite liberating, actually, when it's just the players rolling dice and you don't roll anything yourself. Because uh, that puts all the excitement of the what's going to come out of this roll back in the players' court and they don't blame you or your dice rolling for anything. It's all down to them. So that's definitely worth a try if you haven't given one a go yet. Well, who knew we'd have an hour on dice rolls, eh? <laughs> shall we roll for another hour maybe not <laughs> let's roll for a, a wandering hour <laughs> okay well hopefully that's uh, gone somewhere to answering Alina's question uh, if not I'm sure she'll let us know uh, and if you've got any opinions on this or any of the questions you want definitely give us a shout uh, thanks again to our lovely patrons for supporting us and feeding us these uh, interesting to us anyway topics so we can chat about them if you've anything you want us to talk about or you want us to drop us uh, a dollar to keep us motivated and interested in talking about these things then feel free and hit us up at all the usual places but for now that's all from me and we'll see you next time